Hey guys, I'm Jackie Brubaker, your host of That Girl, the podcast. I'm an author, performer, two-time Emmy Award winner, human relationship specialist, and founder of the wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. Each week, I bring on inspiring people and experts in their field to have powerful, motivational, and enlightened conversations about relationships, self-development, and how you can live your most authentic life. Follow us for daily updates on myself and the podcast at That Girl the Podcast and at Jackie Brubaker on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and our Patreon page. While you're at it, make sure to check out my new wellness website, loveyouevenmore.com. If you're wanting to dig into developing more self-worth, be healthier about relationships, and learn how to date smarter, go to loveyouevenmore.com and follow us on Instagram at loveyouevenmore. Welcome, Barry Selby, back to That Girl, the podcast. Barry is a new but going to be frequent guest of the podcast. (laughs) He is a... You know what? I'm going to let you describe yourself real quick because you do a better job. Okay, then, if you insist. Um, (laughs) So (laughs) basically, to put it simply, I'm a love and relationship expert. Um, I'm also a best-selling author of the book, 50 Ways to Love Your Lover, and also an inspirational speaker and a spiritual guide. I've been on the spiritual path for many, many years with a background in spiritual psychology, and I help my clients really heal their wounds and contract a healthy relationship. And I mostly work with women because I've had a transformational journey around women back in 2007 that really opened me up to the divine feminine. So my work is so dedicated to that course because that's my passion, my purpose, and my work in the world. And he was on the podcast uh, discussing the divine feminine and masculine mm-hmm. That was our first podcast we ever did. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. So I had to bring it back. <laughs> so, <laughs> so today we are going to talk about, I'm just going to, I'm going to throw it out there. We're going to talk about soulmates. We're going to talk about soul connections. And we're also going to talk about relationships when you think you have found the soulmate and what that really means and how that really works in the real world. So um, okay. we were so just a light chat then. <laughs> just just quick banter right back and forth, you know. Yeah. Um, so basically, you know, you'll hear people, and we did discuss part of this kind of, I believe we did. You'll hear people say like, oh, he's my soulmate. Like, I know it's really toxic, but they're my soulmate. They're my twin flame. I just can't leave. We have so much karma together. Now, I would like to just put out there that all of this stuff could be true, but it's really just you're in your body, living this human experience with someone. And if it's toxic, we're going to get into that. But when people say that to you as, you know, an expert and who's helping people like understand their relationship better, what does that say to you? Like, what, what are you hearing when they say, oh, that's my soulmate. Like, I know we fight all the time, but they're my soulmate. <laughs> Boy. Um, well, that's who it is. Because if it's somebody I want to mess with, I'll say, Good luck with that. Bye. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the truth is, um, I'll say it this way, is that so, the, the, people put a lot of weight on soulmates. And frankly, just, just to be transparent, I mean, one of my friends, um, Zariel Ford, who talks about the soulmate secrets, that's her th- one of her brandings. And also one of my other friends, um, Catherine Wilbur Thomas, has a book out called Calling in the One. So the conversation is out there. And these women are- I have that book. <laughs> yes. Well, and, and she has a course and everything else. The thing is, though, in Catherine's case, and I love her dearly, so I'm not going to disrespect her at all, but she was, I said to her once when I saw her, because she had a divorce, so she wrote a book about um, conscious uncoupling, she calls it. 
So she basically I know her. Had... Oh, I interviewed her. Oh my goodness. You did? Oh, okay. Yes, I'm not I did. Years. It, she was one of my very first podcast interviews. How funny. It's it's a no year. Wow. Okay, well, go on. <laughs> well, so Catherine, I mean, I said to her, it's like you bookended the whole thing. You got really smart. Well, you got the way in and the way out. That's so well done. And she she laughed at me saying that. But I know it's the thing about having this thing about calling in the one. Because the idea about if you're going to get the one, mm. how could you be divorced? Because that's the thing is that some people have this assumption that when you get the one, it'd be lifelong. Mm. And the reality is that, yes, you could be with somebody you have a, I don't need the term, soul contract with. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean it's a lifetime. It could be five minutes. I mean, I've I, you know, shared in other places that I've had, I've crossed paths with at least, at least three of my so, three soulmate type level connections. I won't say soulmate specifically because I'm not, I can't presume to know the actual label, but that feeling of going, oh, I've known this person forever, mm-hmm. which is what a lot of people feel soulmates are. And I've got friendships that feel that way, but they're not romantic and they're not even sometimes, you know, opposite, not even opposite genders. There might be a, you know, I, mean, I met a guy who was a soulmate, but yeah. not in this lifetime, romantically, not that yeah. type of person. So for me, the thing about soulmates, first of all, is that there's more than one to go for each person because the reality is, first of all, like we are spiritual beings having a human experience, which is my sort of languaging, which means that on a soul level, there's going to be at least out of 7 billion people, 8 billion people, there's going to be a few thousand of them at least that are, friend, that are that connected to you. Now, whether you have a romantic relationship with them, it depends on a bunch of things, including you know, human compatibility. Are you in the same age range? Are you the right gender preference? Mm-hmm. Do you have enough things in common? Mm-hmm. So the soulmate isn't the one thing that makes it happen. It's all the other pieces around it. Right. The thing with soulmates, though, and this is the thing I, I subscribe to, because there are many views on soulmates, like twin flames and the, the other your, your other half, which I hate that term, because that's what we talked about last time, I think, about um, you know being incomplete. Right. The thing is that soulmates, what they, their gift is, and this is not going to like, people aren't going to like this one, is something going to shine the light on the parts inside of you that you're not owning up to. Mm-hmm. The gifts they bring aren't just to go, oh, you're amazing, you're perfect, and everything's so easy and flowing. Far from it, in fact. Oftentimes, still soulmate is going to put their foot down saying, um, you need to fix this piece. Yeah, yep. So soulmates isn't something you want to sign up for unless you're really, really ready to do the work. When you are, great, wonderful, sign up, do the work, because they'll be there every step of the way, and they'll support you and love you through it. But you've got to do the work. That is so true. (laughs) I really want everyone to hear that and let that resonate. Let that sink in because that is not fun stuff to hear. You want to hear my soulmate makes me so happy and everything's so easy and so perfect. And like, that's fantastic. If you have found that relationship and it is easy and working and you're all on the same page, like fantastic. But I agree so much. And so many of our very first relationships as we're, you know, going into adulthood are, I think, soul-mated connections or soul contracts with people that you're like, so in, in my idea of, you know, maybe what this is all about is like, I think we're in a spiritual realm and we do decide, you know, hey, you and I, we're going to have this happen to us together. Either it's a relationship or you're going to help me with something or, you know, whatever it is, you're going to be my mother, I'll be your daughter, like whatever it is. And right. we have decided that we will try this out because we're both in it to try to learn something about ourselves so we can evolve as a soul. Now, whether that's true or it's bullshit, I like it. And I tend to live my life like that. Now, 
when I have met people who I would consider soulmates, cause I'm on the same page as you, I think we have multiple soulmates and yeah. they do not have to be romantic. Literally one of my soulmates is laying on my bed right now. Her name is Christine. <laughs> she is she's <laughs> like, she, we're going to die together. We are <laughs> like, right or know, die, huh? <laughs> the girl helped me move a bed and move a new one. in. like, this is this is like life material, not even white, but life material. So where are the gallant heroes, the men to shop and help you? No, you got your best friend there. That's right. That's right. Cause she's a soulmate. And so, and that's the thing, like when I have met people who have really become constants in my life, a lot of the times it wasn't like bells and whistles going off. It was just kind of a strange remembrance of like, huh, yeah feel like either I know you or instantly we connect and it's like, oh, you're my tribe. Like, oh, good. Let's, let's just remember each other and start this time together. You know, it's, it doesn't have to be this whole like faded, you know, crossed, uh, star-crossed lovers kind of right. thing. Right. It doesn't have to be no, like the, that. Well, the term I often use that, that I've heard used a lot around is soul family. Mm-hmm. So in a say that tribe, that sort of thing, there are definitely people and, and there's a book out, which you may have read, I'm not sure it's a kid's book by Neil Donna Walsh called The Little Soul in the Sun. Oh, cute. It's a, it's a big, it's a big square, like very thin picture book. But what you said about, you know, choosing what you're going to come into work on with somebody. That's what the book is about. Wow. It's about the soul choosing someone to come in, but it puts, sets up a very transformational and traumatic experience in the book in a beautiful way to indicate that sometimes things happen that are not what you think they are. Yeah. And yeah. that's the thing. So be careful what you think you sign up for. You may not sign up for what you think you have, first of all. But the other part I want to speak to is that soulmate thing, is that because the soulmate conversation is put into the romantic bucket, mm. that's where you get accused. And like you were saying, you, you know, you, with, with your friend, she is your soulmate in the sense of being best buds, can die, buy or die together type thing. And, I, and like you said, about having that connection, when you see somebody, you talk to somebody, you go, I know this person. How can I know this person that well when we haven't seen each other before? Mm-hmm. Maybe not. Maybe not in this form. And I've had the experience with Sam. I've had three soulmate conversations or connections where I just went like, and it's almost like goosebumps, but it's more about just that deep down feeling of going, "I know this person." Yeah. And yet we haven't even swapped names yet. Yeah, yeah. I completely. I've been there. I've, there have been quite a few people I've literally seen across the crowded room. Not joking. Like truly have. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to, I need to talk to that person. And they became soulmates um, or were, and they only spent so much time in my life too. And as much as I tried to keep them, and these were romantic ones, at least the one that I'm thinking of right now, um, as much as I tried to keep him in my life, I was the one to finally let go. And I was like, this is my husband. Like, I'm going to marry this man. Like there is something so, I had such unconditional love for him which is beautiful, but like he wasn't my partner as in, in a relationship. We would never have worked out. Like had we ever got, even made it to marriage, we, have, we would not have worked out. And so when that happens, when you're just so in it and just the stars and, oh my gosh, he's just so wonderful or she's so wonderful. Like I just love them unconditionally. I just don't care. Like going back to like what we started with, like you've got to really look at the, the basics here. Like do you guys have the same like fundamental values? If you don't, it's going to be hard. It's not going to work. And I've had that relationship too, where I think I always say of this one particular relationship that 
he was really drawn to me and I wasn't to him. Like I was like, Hey, cool. Bye. And he was like, uh, uh-uh. like <laughs> we're going to have a relationship. And I was like, Oh, okay. I guess we are. And I really, I could feel it in my gut if from the beginning, like, Oh, I think I made a soul contract with this person. And I think that this needs to play out and I'm not sure how long it's supposed to play out. And I certainly tried to end it like a gazillion times, but that was still working itself out. And I'm really grateful for it now too, even though it was very difficult and so different than anything I'd ever been through. When I first heard someone describe soulmates the way you just did, which is it's difficult, it's hard. They're going to shine light on stuff you don't want to see, but it did. And it made me such a better person and such a more mature, healthy individual, even though it was a very unhealthy circumstance. So let me take that piece and put it on the side for a second, because the journey through to where you realized how much we, you matured and learned those lessons and healed those soul contracts, so to speak, doesn't have to require a pain and suffering of a bad relationship. Oh, that's so true. This one just right. did. <laughs> <laughs> just because like, like in my work with my clients a lot of times, we do whether we call it um, healing memories or, or reparenting or just past integration of the work I do with my clients. I did this, I, this is what I studied my master's degree. And in the practice we did during the, during the two-year program, we would actually sometimes follow the path back to the first time we could remember it happening. And it would go beyond, be, it would go beyond the point of birth or just go, go before the point of birth. So we would go into past lives, not wow. to go back because we wanted to past life work, but we just learned trying to find the source of what started this. And we discovered it was like one or two lifetimes ago. Yeah. And we wouldn't really care about the environment or who we were at the time. We're just like, okay, that's what started. Great. Let's heal from that point forward. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's the powerful work. And if you don't use someone who knows how to do that with you, you might discover that it's going to show up in a relationship that you predetermined was going to happen mm-hmm. or signed up for without going, oh, did I really want to do this? Because mm-hmm. the thing is that you, you, I mean, let's put it this way. You don't want to intentionally sign up for an abusive relationship thinking it's a soul contract. Mm-hmm. Because some people seem to do that. Mm-hmm. However, mm-hmm. I'm not sure we said this before in the previous podcast, but we did. But part of what I talk about in my work is the fact that we tend to exhibit relationship patterns that we learned when we were kids. Yeah. So I'm not sure we said we talked about this last time. I can't remember now. Um, let's talk about it again. Okay. Let's... Those who didn't hear it. <laughs> there you go. Okay, fine. <laughs> so. What I would suggest for most people listening to this, because I know for myself, and you probably have the same reference, is that especially in our early dating life, teens, 20s, even to 30s, the experience we have in that relationship will oftentimes reflect or resonate with how we were raised. Mm. So that our, for me, one of those things was is that I had um, a lot of short-term relationships, I'll say it that way, in my like, late teens, early 20s, and the girl or woman I'd be with would have a great time for a certain point in time for one, two, three months long, maybe. And then we'd have an argument and I would bail. Yeah. Every single time. And the reality was is that I was raising a family that didn't argue. Right. So my the idea of loving and argument didn't go together. So if there was an argument, it wasn't love. So I'd quit. Mm-hmm. But And I'm lucky in the sense that I had a fairly mild upbringing there are people who've gone through massive abuse or abandonment or addiction or anything like that where those patterns that they were imprinted on when they were kids will tend to be repeated as their adult life maybe not the same degree but there'll be a resonant frequency because we take on um i think i'll use the term associative thinking meaning Mm -hmm. that we will associate love with some sort of dysfunction 
And we bundle those two together until we learn to do it differently. And so those patterns are behaviorally learned or imprinted by adults, parents, caregivers, whoever it was. And we carry it into adult life because we don't know differently. Right. When we learn differently, then we start unpacking that and make love what it's supposed to be, which is naturally pure, whole, healthy, and wonderful. And then the issues that we had around it, we heal those and let them go so we can move forward. Exactly. Yeah. That's the goal. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed it is. (laughs) the goal. That's the shining bright light at the end of the tunnel that people are trying to get to. What if you're like, oh, wow, that seems hard. (laughs) 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 I mean, I'm down for the ride. I'm always down for the ride. But I I know there are other people listening who are going to be like, um... Hmm, I don't know if I can do that. What do they do? What should they do? Well, first of all, a lot of people do is not do anything. And they will yeah. just go through dating and they'll either go through cyclical, repeated serial dating with many, many, many different people, hoping to find someone who doesn't treat them the same way as the other ones did. And they might find a fluke and find someone who does treat them differently. They may not be happy, but at least they'll be less painful. Yeah. There are also people who will stick it out because the, the like the kids are more important. Like they'll get married and have kids and then they're stuck. They're going, I can't leave because I've got the kids. Yeah. So as people do things to um, avoid facing the issue. Mm. However, when you do choose to face the issue, whether it is through a soulmate contract, like you said, like we said earlier, or you go to a therapist, coach, counselor, guide, expert, whatever it is, then you can shortcut some of that time and you can come out of it the other side with a lot more, um, supportive tools to work with so you don't draw this whole relationship anymore. Right. I love that. Um, okay. So let's talk about karma in regards to relationships. Karma. <laughs> I think, yeah, I know. <laughs> let's dive in here. I think that some people might be like, wow, I was really terrible to this person in a relationship. And now I'm having really terrible things happen to me. Is that karma? No. <laughs> Let's be clear. Good. I mean, Let's this, talk this, about it. <laughs> people, people love using the terms. They, people are saying, that's well and cool. They, um, they like to take traditional Indian terms and place them on them on westernized things, which is not accurate. You know, yoga is not, not sitting on a mat. Yoga is actually, is actually a practice, a daily practice of some sort, any sort. You know, Tantra is not about sex. It's about a lot about breathing and connections. So it's like when you take these words and within you certain them, put them in other places. So karma is the same thing. Um, bottom line is that when somebody hurts you and you then think you're going to pay the price somewhere else, that's your belief system running. That's all it is. You believe somehow you've got to pay the price because you're penance for what you did earlier. Yeah. Or by coincidence, you fall in a relationship where you get some painful response from the other person without even asking for it. Then you go, it's okay. I, I'm paying my price. I made my mistake. Like, well, yeah, but yeah. you really want to do that? Mm-hmm. So it's not karma. I, I mean, the word karma for me is, is, is too easy a bucket to throw it in, mm. you know, cause then you can make it spiritual. Like I'm doing this cause it's spiritual. I'm going to, you know, it's karma. That sense. I'm like, no, <laughs> you know, yeah. cause then it's, then it's like, well, you can talk about karma or dharma. You got a choice of which way you're going to play this. Mm-hmm. But the reality is, if you're in a relationship where, well, you did something bad to somebody else, they did it to you, if you consider that justice, great. Because that's what it is. Mm-hmm. But you say, you know what? I want to deal with my own judgments about the whole damn thing so I can be free once and for all. Yeah. So you do the forgiveness work and you heal those wounds and your judgments about what you do to the other person, and then you can be free. Sounds so simple, I know. 
It does sound simple, but it, I like that it's, I think it's good that it's simple, you know, because I think justice is the right word. And also, you know, let's just go, let's dive into the psychology of, you know, if you feel like I did something terrible to someone, thus I deserve to be treated terribly, you're going to look for that. You're going to manifest that. You're going to expect that and you'll find it. You will find it. It will come so to you. So this is the thing known as guilt, put it that mm. way. And let me explain guilt in, the, in a structural sense. When you feel bad about something you did to somebody else, you feel guilty. The reason you feel guilty is because you're a good person, because good person, because bad people don't care about what that happens. They say, did, I hurt him once, I'll hurt him again, don't care. But a good person was like, I shouldn't have done that. So you feel guilty because what guilt does, it protects your good notionness from the bad thing you did. So you've got oh. a bad thing you did, good person, and guilt is the wall in between to protect it. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Because if you didn't have that wall, there'll be a mental dis, uh, dysfunction going, how do I balance good with bad? It doesn't fit together. Yeah. So guilt is the defense mechanism. How do you balance? How do you accept that you did something wrong if you feel guilty as well? Like, what do you, what, this, this like, is, this side, is, tangent, but like, how do you do that? <laughs> no, it's not a tangent. It's part of this. This, this, is, this is the F word, forgiveness. It's one of these things that people just go, yeah, I'll, I'll go to church and forgive. It's like, no. In, in psychological work, forgiveness is the um, the cleansing agent to remove the judgment because what you've done is done. It's already happened. Mm-hmm. So that bad behavior has happened. But what's going on is there are judgments you put on top of it because, like, I'm a good person. I shouldn't have done that. That's bad. All that stuff is judgment. And the, the antidote to judgment is forgiveness with the caveat, and I've become very clear about this over the years, Forgiveness is a mechanical tool you use by mentally saying, you know, I forgive myself for judging whatever I did or did, didn't do. But the only way it works is when you have an open heart, which means compassion has to be part of the equation. Mm. Because forgiveness, and I've, I've got a, a forgiveness workbook I've sent my clients, it only works when you have compassion. Basically, you come to a place of realizing that I'm a good person, I made a mistake, and I care about what I did, so I want to heal that. You start moving to that space of love mm. through the lens of compassion, then forgiveness can stick. What happens is by doing that, that pile of bad stuff gets reduced and eliminated. And then, it, then the guilt goes away because you're still a good person and you do something to heal that wound so you can be free. Look at that. That's great. <laughs> I love that. And it does go with what we're talking about. It really does. But it's also just a beautiful piece of work to do. Ah, all right. I'm going to, I know soulmates and twin flames get thrown around together. Is there a difference between the two? Um, if you go on Google or you go on Wikipedia, I'm sure you'll find a difference between the two. But the reality is they're speaking in a lot of ways about the same thing. Although some people are really experts saying, no, twin flames and, and soulmates are different. Well, yes, in what we've said about soulmates, there's a whole spectrum of things that we talk about soulmates that are not the same thing as twin flames. Twin flames is an interesting conversation because people have this presumption, I'll put it that way, that twin flames are these undying love, eternal flame gets together and it's two parts making a whole. And as I said it last time, or I said it before, we never are incomplete. We're not halves ever. Mm-hmm. So it's two holes coming together, two whole beings. Mm-hmm. Twin flames is a very romantic spiritual description. I'm not particularly a big fan of that label because I don't feel it has weight. Yeah. But some people are firm believers in it. I'm not going to argue with that. But the thing is, I also know people are very polyamorous. I don't believe in that either, personally, for myself. It's about choice. Mm-hmm. So for me, Twin Flames, if that works for you, use it. But for me, 
it doesn't necessarily correlate to a healthy relationship. Because the other part with twin flames or soulmates or those conversations is a lot of people use it as a label to, to um, avoid facing facts. <laughs> mm, and what would those facts be? <laughs> <laughs> well, like we've been talking about, dealing with issues and upsets and behavioral stuff, all these things we've covered. It just really is the, the twin flame conversation. And I've watched people who go through this, certain people, not everybody, because I don't know everybody in this case, where I've watched one of my friends, this is going back a few years now, where she was certain that a partner was a, a twin flame, but he kept abusing her. Mm. And she couldn't get around the facts, but he's a twin flame, he shouldn't do that to me. That ain't his twin flame. That no. May, that may be a karmic issue because you're saying, well, I'm leaving this person. Or it may just be self-delusion because the reality yeah. is if you're with a twin flame, twin flame, they're not abusing you. Mm-hmm. They may be teaching you, which is different. Abuse mm-hmm. is a whole different human thing. It's not to do with spirit. There isn't, there isn't abuse on a spiritual level. It's a very human expression. Right. And most people abusers are not spiritual beings. Ultimately, They might pretend to be, but they're not. Yeah. So, Yes. I mean, there's, I mean, this is a whole other topic, but there are so many people who do a lot of philanthropy work who are very spiritual, who become like gurus and they're just doing terrible things to people. And it's a power, it's a power trip, right? So if you're in a relationship and someone is saying to you, no, you're my twin flame, but I'm going to basically keep manipulating you or abusing you of any kind. Yeah, no, they're just having a power trip and using spirituality as the name of it which is bad. So please leave that relationship, people. (laughs) Follow that person. They're not your guru. Um, (laughs) Well, what else would you like to add before we wrap this up? What else do people need to know about this topic? Well, I'll say this. Love is one of these wonderful things I love talking about. Being known as the love doctor by my clients and friends is something that is important, not important, wrong word, vital to life. When you're loving and and is the switch when you're loving to yourself first you start healing the wounds you carry inside the upsets the baggage the past stuff whatever that is to fill up your own battery so to speak because when you have those wounds and upsets inside it's like your battery can only get to a half full which means you can only love to a certain point so when you let yourself have permission to and you do the work to heal those past wounds from past relationships from family upbringing from those things in the past that you haven't done yet haven't faced yet haven't resolved yet then you can fill up your battery first. And then when relationships happen, because they will, you'll be able to love from an overflow versus from a lack. Mm-hmm. And this, this whole thing we talked about with soulmates and twin flames and everything else, if you're in those relationships from a place that you think the other person completes you, makes you feel whole or you don't feel whole in going in, it isn't the healthiest way of being. Yeah. Healthy relationship is two whole beings who love themselves fully and give to the other person from their abundance. That to me is the ideal of a relationship. Period. I love it. Thank you, Barry. It's always so nice to have you on. You'll be back. Tell people how they can find you. Simply put, my website is barrysober.com. You can click on the button that says Let's Connect and we can talk and I can offer you some guidance and maybe next steps. Um, I have a YouTube channel that is filled with to overflowing with videos, which is my name, Barry Selby. So youtube.com slash Barry Selby. Um, social media, Instagram is my main place nowadays, which is the real Barry Selby. And I'm on Clubhouse, which is Barry Selby. So the real Barry Selby on Instagram, but it's Barry Selby everywhere else. So Twitter, LinkedIn, Pinterest, um, Facebook, and on uh, Clubhouse. Awesome. (laughs) Yes, go find him. Go find him. He's incredible. He can help with everything. Thank you. 
Almost yeah. everything. Almost. Yeah. Can I have your bike? All right, my dear. I will talk to you very soon. Thank you again. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. Remember, sharing is caring. Make sure to rate the podcast and leave a review. We really rely on this to help get the podcast out there. Also, make sure to watch the video version on YouTube at That Girl the Podcast.